good to good to be with y'all tonight. Been on. Uh, some of you probably been around me. I know there's a lot of folks here from where I pastor, and I appreciate them a coming. <clears throat> some from my home church, and appreciate them a coming. And a lot of you maybe don't don't know me that well, or maybe haven't really been around me much. And I'm a big cut up a lot of times out of church, but uh, in church sometimes it. It's uh, it's pretty serious, really, ain't it? And uh, I'm not saying that. I don't mean we can have fun, joy, in serving the Lord. I, I don't believe the Lord wants us to go around with an old sour face on all the time and people wondering if we've got anything that's real. Uh, there's a lot of Christians, I think, or so-called Christians that sort of, I think, Maybe they they sort of, you go there and you don't know whether they know the Lord you know or not. And uh, But it is, when you're speaking about eternity, you're speaking about life and death, you're speaking about heaven and hell, it's serious. You're, you're speaking about the, the it's not just, uh, I had a man one time in this county, if I called his name, a lot of you would know him. Very well-off man. You wouldn't know it by looking at him. But uh, I had a job. I, you just pray for me here. I, I'm just going to feel... I, I'm not educated, and I know y'all are probably used to that. I'm sure Brother Paul's probably got better education than I have as far as, as, far as the preaching-wise. But uh, I, 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 just, uh, I just am what I am. and uh, I was raised in the Fountain Run community. I was on the Barron County side, but we went to church at Fountain Run, so I knew all of those Monroe County boys from Fountain Run, you know, and most of our most of our summer activities and playing over playing ball was was around all that bunch of boys. And if I went, uh, I know Joe Bedford would, but I mean James and John Comer and John David Beach and Keith Shaw and. And I mean, I could go on and name, but we'd all get together lots of times, and we'd play, we'd play real football. Without it would start out touch, and it usually end up tackle, and 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 you'd play softball, you know, and you just got together and you had that kind of fun. That was before, that was before you young folks that's here tonight. I'm not real high on technology. I may get this thing wrapped around my neck before, before we get done. But uh, that was when kids really. They knew how to play. They 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 just they made their own they made their own activities and they they done their own you know their own things. Most kids today is and I'm not saying that throwing that at any of you young folks that don't know me and think I'm a hateful preacher because my grandkids are the very same way. And when we're driving down the road and they're screaming, Nana or their dad or mom's one put the cell phone on or them little pad of a things and and you turn Mickey Mouse on or some of that bunch and they're good to go, you know, and it quietens them down. But before all those things you you just learnt how to as before you didn't used to have to have kids in car seats and I mean most of you is probably biggest part of you is raised like me. I mean we just took to church sometimes in the back end of that old sixty four truck of daddies. In the bed, not in not in the front. In the bed of it, 
rode in the back. And, uh, but things are different. And there wasn't, you know, as much traffic and it wasn't as much danger. But, but I'm glad in all the things that have changed, that we've seen change, the God we serve is still the same. He's, he's not, uh, he knew about all this technology before me and you ever even thought about it. He knew what it was and how it was and how it would be. And, and there's lots of these folks that can do lots of things with these computer programs. And I, I don't want anybody to think I'm a, I don't have anything against technology if it's used in the right way. It can, it's, it's like a lot of stuff. It can be used for a lot of good. But uh, sometimes man can ruin it, and it can be used for a lot of bad, too, can't it? But I, I am just a, just a sort of an old country boy, and, and that's how I was raised. But uh, maybe I'll just tell you here, I don't, I don't have nothing rolled out for you tonight. I don't know what you've come expecting. I've just been a trying to pray for this hour. It's probably been 30-some years since I preached here. It's been a long time. And, uh, and as I look around, most of those old folks are gone. I'm going to be honest with you. The biggest part of those folks that was here the last time I preached here, they're not here tonight. And uh, that doesn't mean that God ain't here. And uh, I'm, I'm looking for Him. He'll have to come by. If there's any preaching, it'll take Him tonight. It, it's not about me. It'll be about Him. Uh, but I, as I was praying, it seemed like God laid some scripture on my heart. And I, I told... Uh, told down there where a pastor at, I told them maybe a week or two ago, or might have been at business meeting last Wednesday night, I, I, I sort of wrestled with this, because I, I didn't really know what to expect coming here, and I, I didn't, I had seen your pastor, but I didn't really know who he was, and, and I didn't know who all come here, or what they expect, and my mind is, is I'm, I'm a human, just like you're a human, and I deal with the flesh, just like you deal with the flesh, and and lots of things was going through my mind. And, and, and I, God gave me a thought back probably a month ago. And I knew it was for here. But boy, and I, as I begin to meditate and pray, I begin to think, Lord, I don't know what them people think about me if I go down there and they don't know me very well. And if I preach something like that, what are they going to think? And another thought of Scripture had sort of rolled around my heart. And I thought... Lord, why don't I just use that down there and preach this other somewhere else? And I know better than that. I know better. But boy, my flesh thought that'd be easier. Won't you just do that? And all that is is just Satan trying to get you to go against the will of the Lord, you see. And uh, we do have an enmity tonight. And it's not flesh and blood. We're, we're not fighting against each other tonight. It's, our enemy is, is Satan. And anything he can do to get you or to get me to pull away from the will of the Lord, to get our lives headed off in a direction that ain't pleasing to God, he'll do everything he can to try to do that. And, uh, but this scripture, it's just been, seemed like pressing around my heart. And I, I need to leave it with you. And you pray for us. I need God's touch. I saved, I saved down there at the old brick at Fountain Run. Uh, when I was just a little boy, and uh, I don't know, it didn't feel like really I'd tell you my experience, but maybe I need to. And uh, I took to church all my life. A lot of you know my old grandpa. He was a, 
He is an old Baptist preacher, and he is pastoring there at the time. And I had been took to church. My mom's here tonight, and I'm thankful for that. But uh, mom used to gather us people, my people from Caney Fork. It's tired of hearing all this stuff. But uh, mom would gather us boys up. There's three of us boys. She had an old upright in there in her bedroom. As four people thought they had to have 3,000 square feet to live in, you know. And uh, we just had a four four room house with a little bathroom on the side of it. But in Mama's bedroom, she had that old upright piano. And she'd begin to play that piano and she'd gather us boys around and she'd tell us boys, y'all sing big and loud. And so I was raised all my life singing big and loud. It might not be in the key, it might not be in the right pitch or whatever, but it was big and loud. And whenever church would have their choir we have sort of an area like this, but it's a little more elevated. There's three steps up to our pulpit. And I'd always go up there with them and sing big and loud. And it never bothered me. I never once even thought them old preachers preach about hell. Them old preachers preach about heaven. How you had to be born again, saved by the grace of God. Or you'd never make it to heaven. Hell would get you. And it never bothered me. But one night, the Word of God got to my heart. And I had never felt lost in my life. Now, there's some people thinks, and I'm just going to preach my heart tonight. Hey, some people thinks you just get saved whenever you won't get saved. But you just can't do that. And, I, and the reason I can tell you that is, well, one reason, because this Word will back it up. But another reason is because I experienced it. Because when I was seven years old, I told you my, what my grandpa, he was pastor there for a few years when I was a young boy. And, and I, I began to realize, I began to see none of my brothers got saved much before me, but folks that was older than me, uh, Jeff Downing, Julie Downing, my, my cousins, Melinda and Melanie Strode. Well, Melinda, she was older. Melanie was younger than me, but different ones. I'd see them getting saved, and in my mind, this is what I thought. As a seven-year-old, I was seven-year-old. As a seven-year-old boy, I thought, best thing I can do is go up there and get this getting saved thing took care of, and that way I'm, I, I've got it, I'm, I'm fixed up, you know. I sure didn't want to go to hell. And I had a fear of hell because how terrible it sounded and I knew I wanted to go to heaven. And I began to go to the altar. Nobody come to me. Nobody, nobody made a move to me. I just began to go and think, I need to get that took care of. And I'd go to the altar and I'd cry. I mean, I'd cry and I'd say, Lord, please save me. Lord, please save me. I, I, it wasn't that I didn't want to be saved. But this is, I never was lost. I never was in no trouble. I just wanted to be saved. I wanted to miss hell. And I wasn't getting no word. Soon as amen was said, I mean, I'd be on the altar for a long time. I don't know why I need to tell all this. But I'd be on the altar for a long time, you know. After the preacher got done preaching, I'd go to the altar and I'd pray. They, while they was a praying and singing, and then as soon as amen was said, I'd shoot outside these big old maple trees there in the front yard at the home church. And we used to play tag out there after church. And I, I'd shoot out there and I'd play tag and I was happy and carefree. No trouble at all. And I remember the old house, that old house we lived in. And I, somebody said, Preacher, just preach. And you just bear with me here. I just need to tell some. This is how real God is. Even though I was around this all my life, I still never knew him. I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know him. There's a lot of people that knows about him. 
They read about him, but they don't know him. And that's the way I was. And I wanted him to save me, but he wasn't dealing with me. His word had never pricked my heart and made me to realize I was a lost sinner. And so there I was, and I was seven-year-old, and I remember I went to the altar at my home church and went to the altar at Union Church. We lived within a mile of Union Church, and Mama would take us up out there. And I'd, I remember going to the altar out there. And finally, sort of after that summer was over, I remember Mom, we, had a, we, we always had Dad's truck, but somehow or another, Dad had bought an old fire lane, 500 Ford, I believe is what it was, old car, blue, Jeff. Well, he's here tonight too. He'll probably remember that old car. But mom was going to town, and town for us was Fountain Run, three miles away. When you said we're going to town, it was Fountain Run. Jeff and Greg went out for I did, and I remember for some reason it had come to me, your mom needs to know the truth about you. She's worried about you. Mom never said a word to me. I'd ask Mama lots of times, how will I know about this lost? How will I know about this saved thing? Mom's answer to me was always the same. She never tried to give no big explanation. Her answer was always, honey, you'll just know. When that time comes, you'll know. And I, I, I knew I was in no trouble. And as Jeff and Greg beat me to the car, I remember going through that old screen door uh, Y'all remember them had that little spring on them. I remember as I went through that, it just come to me, you need to be honest with your mama. And I remember mama was behind me and I just turned to mama and I said, I said this to her. I said, mom, what if, what if I've been going to the altar, but what if I ain't lost? Like, I said, I don't feel that trouble that them preachers has been telling me about. And she said, I said, if I've been going to the altar and I'm not really lost, will that, what will that do? And this is what she told me. She said, honey, it won't hurt you, but it ain't going to help you. That's what she said. You see, you can't get, you can't get, I wasn't getting nowhere. I wasn't, I wasn't in no trouble. So I was asking the Lord to save me, but I, I mean, he knew my heart, see. And I remember telling her, I said, Mama, I'm, I'm just not in no, I'm, I'm not lost. I don't feel lost. I don't feel in no trouble. I do want to be saved, but I ain't in no trouble. She said, Honey, you'll just have to follow what you feel in your heart. And that's sort of, I said, Well, I'm not going back till I feel that trouble. And it was probably about two years later. And one, one night during revival, my brother Greg had got saved at a day service. That's when most churches still had day and night services, you know. And... My brother had got saved at a day service, shouted all over the altar there when he got saved. In my mind as a young boy, I thought, boy, that's, when I get it, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just shout so everybody will know. And I thought mom would be close and I'll hug her. I done had everything that's going to happen to me. I done had it all planned out, my, my whole experience with the Lord. I done had it all planned out. But you know that night when God touched my heart, when His Word Touched my heart. And it made, this is, that's why it's such a personal thing. They, they can't nobody tell you when you're lost. You'll know for yourself. But God's word that night come to my heart. And this, this is what I felt. I felt that I was a lost sinner. And I was separated from all those children of God that was in that house that night. And that's how I seen myself. And I couldn't even, when they, when they said, open your songbooks up and sing so-and-so, I couldn't. Them people that I'd always sung with from the time I was a little bitty feller, 
I couldn't even sing with them no more. I couldn't even open my mouth to sing them old songs of Zion. And I felt that drawing come to the altar. And the old devil said this, and I, you might, somebody said, boy, preacher, you're, just, you're a little emotional for me. Well, I, I, I tell you, I'm glad I've got something that gets me stirred every once in a while. I'm glad that although that was 50 years ago, it's still just as real to me tonight as it was then. But God, God kept a dealing with my heart that night and a drawing me. And the old devil would say, well, you're so young, don't nobody even know you're lost. That just, just sit here a while. All of that feeling, it'll just go away. You won't have to worry about it. You've got plenty of time to get this fixed up. But God just kept a knocking on my heart. He just kept a dealing with me and a drawing. And that trouble, it seemed like it just got worse and worse. And it got heavier and heavier. And I, I remember that night, I just finally thought, I'm going to go try and I, I made my way out and made my way up. Our, our mourner's bench at home is, we've got three rows across here, and it's always the front, front seat right there. It'd be right there. And I remember bowing on that thing, and I don't know how long I prayed. I'll, I'll be done here in a minute. You just bear with me. I want you to know what I've got tonight is real. It's real. It's been with me all those years, and it's still with me tonight. But I bowed and prayed that night, and I, I mean, I poured my, I prayed that night different to how I'd prayed two years before. I was in trouble. I was needing help. I seen myself as a lost sinner, and I'd never seen myself that. I had a knowledge that night that I'd never had before. If I died in the condition I was in, I knew where I was going. I knew I had no hope of making it to heaven. I knew I was hell bound. So I began to seek and call on the Lord. And I'd, I mean, I'd done everything I know to do that night. And I'd sort of got to the place. I prayed out. I thought, Lord, I've, I don't know what else to do. I'll just have to wait. Ain't, ain't no change. I'll just have to wait till some other time. And I was just about ready to get up and sit down on the seat. And before I got up, I had been there long enough. I'd got tired on my knees. And I had laid over sort of, on, sort of on the thigh of my leg, you know. And there's just something stirred my heart. and said, you need to dig just a little deeper. You need to try one more time. And I can remember when that, when that stirred my heart, I just remember telling the Lord, I'll try one more time. And I reset myself. I can remember that so vividly. I can remember resetting myself on my knees and thinking, Lord, I'll try one more time. And I begin, and, and to be honest with you, I don't know if I was even saying a word out loud or not. I don't know if my lips was even moving or not, but my heart was a crying out to God. And you know what happened? He heard my cry a little old boy from Fountain Run and he come down. There's a lot of people don't even know where Fountain Run is. But God knew exactly where it was that night and he come down at Fountain Run and he saved a little old lost boy like me. And I've been saved all of these years. I ain't always lived like I ought to. I ain't always held him up like I ought to. I've let things get in my life different times and I'll go... I know this probably ain't what a lot of y'all come... For, but I need you to know that I'm, I am saved. S-A-V-E-D. Been born again. Not because of how good I was. Not because of how I was raised or who my grandpa was or who my mom and dad was. 
but because he heard, this is what David said, David said, I love the Lord because he heard my voice and he heard my supplication. And it'll be, if you get saved, it'll be your prayer that God will hear an answer. I mean, we as God's people can pray for you and we can hold the Lord up to you. But if you get saved, it'll be your cry that God's going to hear. But uh, been saved ever since. And uh, that was probably about 11 years later when the Lord called me to preach. I won't go into all that. I don't reckon. Somebody said, boy, I didn't come to stay all night. I didn't either. But we might have to. I don't know. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just here to serve the Lord, to be honest with you. It's always amazed me. And I've been raised around sports all my life. But it's always amazed me how folks can, we can go to, we can go to a ball games and, and things get you know on edge a little bit and we'll stand up for two thirds of it. If it goes into overtime, boy, we're still there uh, raging on for our team. We don't care to make a scene. We don't care to holler a little something probably that we oughtn't to holler sometimes. We don't care how loud we get or hear who hears us. We don't care what we call the referee or the umpire. Then when we get in the house of the Lord, after about 45 minutes or an hour, man, we're awful itchy. And we're in cushioned seats. That's, it, these, these benches is a whole lot better than the bleachers at, at ball games. But we get real itchy on our time schedule. And, and I, just, uh, I just want to serve Him. He's been good to me. He's blessed me. Good home, good family. Give me a good companion, good children. And he's blessed us with health, and I'm thankful for that. But above all, he saved my soul one night, and that ain't never changed. And I'm a going, that old song says, I'm a going to heaven, don't you want to go? I'm a going. And it ain't because I'm a preacher, but it's because what he done for me that Wednesday night, 1973, when he heard and answered my, my cry, my plea to him. And he's been a dear friend to me, and that's really what's on my heart. I want to read this scripture to you. You pray. And I, I know some folks, uh, as I start this out, you may think, boy, preacher, you're getting into stuff that you ain't, you ain't careful. But uh, this is in James's writing. You pray for me for just a few minutes. In James's writing, I'm going to read just two or three verses. I'll skip around. There's about three, three different places I'm going to read. Don't worry, not a bunch of reading, just a verse or two in each place. But uh, this is what James said. He began to talk to him about wars and rumors of wars and different things that was... That, that he was hearing was happening in, in, in among God's people. And I'll be honest with you today. We can uh, look around at the world we're in and we'll blame it on sinners. But it ain't sinners' fault. Sinners don't know no better. The reason, the reason our nation is in the shape it's in is because God's people has slipped away. And we've let our standards down. And we've let Satan slip in our homes and our families and even our churches. And I'm not saying this church. I'm saying it's in churches where I pastor. My home church. Among God's people. And he's, he slipped things away. How many of you remember every meal you ate at the house? You blessed it before you ate it. And that was at least once or twice a day that you would eat together, depending on whether you was in summer, whether you was through the summer, or whether you was... But you bless the food. Now we're in such a fizz, we do good. Let's be honest. Let's do good if we eat as a family together once a week in our home, sitting down at our table. Now I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm saying us. We're, we're, we're running wide open. We're never getting nowhere, seem like. 
But I'm glad, boy, that God is still the same. You just pray. This is what he, this is what he told them. He said, you ask, third verse, James chapter 4. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now I want you just to remember those verses there. And I want to read, this is over in James as well, chapter 2. And... Uh, I'll just I'll read verse 23. It's talking about Abraham and Abraham's faith and how that his works showed his faith. And sometimes uh, Baptist folks, and I, I am Baptist, and I'm not here tonight to preach to you Baptist doctrine. I'm here to preach to you Bible doctrine. But sometimes Baptists have a, they have a bad name of, boy, just get saved and then go out and live ever how you want to. It ain't nothing about works or nothing about that. That is not Bible, that's not Bible doctrine, it's not Baptist doctrine. When God saves you, He saves you for a purpose. He saves you to be a witness for Him. He saves you because, for by grace are you saved, and through faith, and that not of yourselves, that it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you're not saved by works, but you, then we're, thank you Lord, that we're created in Christ Jesus. When He saves us, we're created in Christ. We become a new creature and we're created unto good works. Then the works come in. Then, then we begin to put our light on a candlestick for Him. But Abraham and all this faith that he had, you just pray for me. It said this, And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. I want to read one more couple of verses over in John chapter 15. And, uh, this is very familiar. Chapter 15 verse 13 says this. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. This is Jesus talking. He said, ye are my friends. He's talking to his apostles there. If you do whatsoever, I command you. Seemed like that's all we need to read. I, I guess tonight if I had a thought to leave with you, it would be, who is your friend? And I'll, I'll be honest with you, we're living in a time that, that true friends are hard to find. I mean... I mean, there's folks that uh, if you've got money, there's some scripture that talks about, about how that the rich, you know, it's that folks sort of flock to the rich and won't be friends with them, but when you become poor, all of a sudden, they'll scatter. I mean, uh, I, could, uh, I could go back in my mind. We had a neighbor that, uh, I, I won't call his name, uh, I, I, some of y'all might be kin to him, but uh, I mean, he, 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 had, he had some maybe a little mental problems. He lived just over the hill from us, but... And he, you know, he, he was getting some help. And I'm not saying he didn't need help. But uh, uh, this is what happened. Nobody would have nothing to do with him until the end of the month. When the end of the month come, you know, that's, that's check time. When the end of the month come, all of a sudden he had two or three buddies that show up. 
and take him places and ride him around, what they'd do is they'd run through all of his money for him. And then they was gone for another three weeks till the end of the month again. He never did catch on to it, I don't think. But, I mean, I seen that as a young boy. Friends are, true friends are hard to come by. And I, I know tonight, I don't know what you've come for, but I'll say this. I mean, there is a friend. The Bible, the Bible says this, and I had it marked, but it didn't feel like reading it. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We do have a friend tonight. You, you do have a friend. There is one that give himself for us. The Lord told his apostles there, he said there's no greater love that a man could have than to lay down his life for his friends. What he was doing is he was letting them know, I love you greater than any love that you've ever known because I'm laying my life down for you. If you're here tonight and you don't know this Jesus that I'm trying to preach to you about, if you don't know the Lord, I'm not talking about that you've made some mental decision. You just pray for me for just a few minutes. There's a lot of folks tonight that think, well, all this is, I told you about the mental decision. I made a mental decision when I was seven that I was going to get saved. But when I tried it, I just couldn't do it. I mean, you can't get saved without God drawing you. I mean, it just can't happen. You may think you're out of the Bible, preacher, but I ain't. Jesus said, no man can come unto me except the Father which sent me draw him. It takes a drawing of God. It takes the Spirit of the Lord to get in people's hearts, whether it's young men or young women, or whether it's old men or old women, but this is the thing about it, I mean you can have all kinds of people surround you, and they can say yes, I'm your friend yes, I'd do anything for you but I'm telling you, man, I'll let you down, this friend I'm preaching to you about, I thought about Abraham, I thought about how that uh, if you went and studied uh, all about Abraham God spoke to him over there in his home country. I mean, I was raised, I might or just say this right here, I was raised in Fountain Run all my life. I, I mean, for 40 years of my life, I think I was about 40 probably uh, when we moved up here in Monroe County, but uh, for 40 years of my life, I knew every deer trail, I knew every squirrel den uh, that they was probably within about a two mile radius of my house. Uh, it, and I mean, I spent a lot of time out in the woods. I knew every, we all, any of you old timers, I mean, you know this time of year especially for about, is about August 15th when squirrel season opened. Uh, and I mean, seemed like everybody went squirrel hunting on opening day. Uh, and everybody was headed to where them old scaly bark hickories was. That's where he is going. I mean, and this is the thing about it, when you learned where them things was, and at daylight, that's where you wanted to be, is at them old scaly barks. Them pig hickories, they, they, don't, they don't start cutting on them till later. But I mean them scaly barks, buddy, if you'll find one that's loaded down, I mean they'll, they'll, they'll be there cutting just right at the break of day. And I mean I knew where all of them places was. And I told my wife, I won't get in too much to this. And most of y'all probably know my wife better than you know me, I guess. She was raised in Monroe County. But uh, I told my wife... I, maybe before we was married, but not too far after we was married. I know we'd we'd rolled around, you know. We didn't. It was like everybody. You just sort of rented, or you 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 done sort of. Uh, from my grandpa, I just I, I, I rented, but I never paid him no rent. 
I like that kind of rent, don't you? I mean, my rent was this. This is what Pa told me. And, and I, don't know, I don't know why I need, but my grandpa come to me and he said, Timmy, honey, if you're waiting on to get married for a place to live, he said, I'll tell you what you can do. A lot of y'all don't know where it's at. Uh, semi-trailer run through that house a few years ago when they pushed it down now. It's right there at the end of Tracy Road, Antioch. If you could have crossed Antioch Church, 87 right there in that curve. That's, my, that's where me and Kerry Joe. But Grandpa owned that farm. He said, if you're waiting on a place to live before you get married, ask that girl to marry you. He said, uh, you can live in that old Lloyd house down there of mine. Lloyd Williams used to live there. He said, you can live in that old Lloyd house. And he said, all I want you to do is keep a check on my cows for me. Why? Man, that's cheap enough, I thought. Go around check his. I was outside of walking through the woods almost every day anyway when I come in from work and on the weekends. I thought, well, that, that won't be, I can do that. And that got me to thinking a little more serious about asking her to marry me, you know. And I had a place to live now. But we lived there and then, and then, then we moved out to the old home place where Sam and Hazel owned at the time. And, and I mean, we as a, you may think, boy, preacher, what are you just bear with me? But I told her, I said, I ain't never moving to Monroe County. And, and, and that's just what I told her. And, and you'd have to under, I guess you'd have had to have been raised in Barron County to understand that because this is, word gets around ever. It's just like different schools. Everybody talks about this school and that school. And really and truly, you boil them all down, there ain't much difference in them. There's politics in all of them. There's, you know, all this switching around stuff goes on. There's buddies here and buddies there and all that. All that goes on. I won't get into all that. All I heard all my life, we lived, that's a good part about living on the tail end of the county. It wasn't a politician that cared whether they got our vote down there or not. You never seen a politician come around to you. They wasn't that many. Dinah lived down there. She was raised, she was raised actually within hollering distance. I'm sure she heard us, dad hollered us probably lots of times, but she's just right up a road from us. And I, so, I mean, but you didn't have to worry about politicians. They didn't bother you down there. But boy, when Monroe County, when, when, when you went to town after the election, that's all you heard talk about was all oh, this happened during the election. Oh, so-and-so was doing this and so-and-so was doing that and there's a buying votes here and a buying votes there and that, you hear all that. In my mind, I got the worst, I guess, picture of Monroe County in my mind. I thought, Lord, I ain't going to ever want to live in a place like that. And I love going to Fountain Run. And I love the Fountain Run people. But it, I mean, it seemed like it was just a political mess. And then as I grew older, I began to realize it was in Barron County too. It just didn't bother us much down on that south end of the county. But it was everywhere. But I told her I wasn't going to never move there. Several years later, I found, found out different to that. And you may think, well, you had to eat your words. And yes, I guess I did. But you know why I did? And I, I, some folks may not believe this, and I, I, I want to tell you, this man that I'm preaching to you about tonight that, that wants to be your friend. You may think tonight you don't have a friend in the world. You may think your life that you just really don't deserve a true friend. But I'm telling you, if you know this Jesus, you've got a friend tonight. You've got one that won't forsake you. You've got one that won't leave you. You've got one that will help you in every situation. And I told you about me getting saved back there when I was nine. And here I am now. I'm 18 year old. I'm out of school. I'm fixing to graduate high school. And uh, you just bear with me. And I, I, I didn't know. Uh, this, is, this is what I knew. I knew I loved playing ball. But I knew it wasn't good enough probably to play ball nowhere. But I would sure love to have the opportunity. And I knew that I was tired of studying. 
and doing homework. And I, I, was, a, I was a good student. I, I don't, I, it wasn't that I, I liked school and I was a straight, I'm not bragging on myself. I just, I mean, mom and dad expected certain stuff of us and, and, and it wasn't just you make whatever you make and that's just the way it is. I mean, mom and dad checked on our grades and if we, it didn't matter what the coach said that our grades needed to do. Mom and dad's standards was quite a bit higher than that. And I was a straight A student. I was in the top, I don't know, they told me 10% out of 250, 40 some of us, I think. I, I thought that was pretty good, to be honest, for an old boy from Fountain Run. And then I got a chance. There was a coach that called my coach. I, I was going to have a chance to go play college ball. And boy, I jumped on it. Started to jump on it. And I don't know why I need to tell you this. A little place called Center College up in Danville. Back in that time, boy, they said the education you get out of there was something else. But I made two or three visits. I liked it. I liked the campus. But I'm going to be honest with you. The only reason I was going was to play ball. I didn't have a clue what I wanted to study. I didn't have a clue what I wanted to be. Didn't, I mean, I didn't have all I'd done. I'd been raised on a farm all my life. But, but I want this, somebody said, boy, you're getting away from your message. I ain't either. You just bear with me. You've you got to remember this friend I met when I was a little boy. And it got within about two or three weeks of me heading up there. And the Lord spoke to me one day. And he said, me and you ain't never talked about this. And I said, well, but Lord, this, I'm, ain't nobody else giving me no offer to play nowhere. I ain't, and it wasn't a scholarship. It was just a grant. They didn't give scholarships back then. At center, you, they, the coach, coach Dave Bryant was his name. He helped me, he helped me with a grant and I had a student loan, had the whole first year took care of. I thought, ain't nobody else letting me play. It's the only chance I got to play ball after high school. I'd like to go up there and show them that, that just what that I can. That I, I mean, I'd worked hard all summer, and I'd, I'd been conditioning myself. I'd done lots to get ready, but I never talked to my friend about it. I never talked to him about what he wanted in my life. And I, I began to get serious about talking to the Lord. Okay, Lord, I'm sorry. Do you realize you can, we all know, you can offend a friend. You can offend him. And hurt his feelings. The Bible talks about that and talks about he's not easily won when you offend a brother. It's not easily to win him back. But I mean, I, it, I begin to beg the Lord. Okay, Lord, you know what my life needs and you know which direction I need to travel. I need your help. You help me to see. And, it, it, and this is all he, I, all I know to do is I just said to this. I said, Lord, if I don't need to go up there if this ain't what's right for me, you open a door somewhere. Caney Fork people's heard this. Fountain Run people's heard this. And it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't but just a week or so that it went by. And there's a job opening. Come open right there at Fountain Run. At what was, I think still then, it was called Deposit Bank. But it come open right there in my back door. And, 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 and that man, I think Bobby Williams maybe was over it at the time. Him and Jimmy Goodman, I know, was in there, but they had said something to me. And I, I thought, I don't want to work in the bank. I don't want to be inside. I was an outside person. But you know what it was like? God said, you asked me to open my door. So you know what I done? 
Picked up the phone. I called that coach. I said, I ain't going to be able to come your way. I said, there's a job opening. Come open here, and I'm just going to stay here close to home. I just, just need to work. You may think, preacher, you mean you turned down an education. I turned down what appealed to my flesh. Not because you remember what I read to you, what James said when he said, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. To consume it upon what? Your own lust. The flesh. Do you realize the flesh is an enmity against God? Do you, and I read to you in James where it said, somebody said, Lord, you could go on and on. I, the Lord will let me draw down here in a minute. You just bear with me. I want somebody to realize how important it is to get to know this friend. This true friend. There's some old songs we sing. I mean, I, you don't hear them maybe as much, but there's an old song that says, Have you really been a friend? To Him. Now we all expect the Lord to be a friend to us, don't we? Why, He's God. He's Jesus. He ought to be a friend to us. But do you realize when He saves your soul that He expects you to be a friend back? Sometimes folks is just our friends in what they can do for us, ain't they? That's the ones we like. Whatever they can do for us, boy, they're our friend. But the very minute that they run out of doing for us, then we begin to think, I don't, we better find us somebody else that we can sort of smooch off of because they ain't being hardly as nice to us as what they once were. But Jesus began to, he began to touch me and he began to lead me that away. And I, I, that was in 1982. And uh, I can't, I won't go into all these details, but I will, I didn't even stay in the bank very long. He opened the door, probably didn't work there a year, went back to the slaughterhouse where I was at but God made a way and he let me know where I needed to be and I began to sing in that little group that Brother Turner talked about with his cousin Mike and Jeff Sneed and them I began to sing in that group probably in late 82 or early 83 and uh, sung with them about a year and a half lots of sung here several times probably in a lot of different places around Allen, Barron, Monroe County we sung in lots of little churches and I enjoyed that so but then there just come a day the Lord said you've sung long enough you don't need to sing with them somebody said why in the world I want you to know what kind of friend he's been to me how he's directed my life and let me travel in some way sometimes I'd go in a different direction but I'm sure glad that I listened to him when he spoke and he opened that door for me and he let me know I didn't need to make that journey up there and this is what he done I, I mean in a night 1984, God was oppressing around my heart. I don't know what you believe tonight as far as God called preachers, but I was 20 years old and, and seemed like God. I never have liked to read. I still don't like to read. I just, I mean, I despise reading. I'm going to be honest with you. I, and most of the time, if I get started, I'm asleep in about 10 minutes. I just can't hold my eyes open when I start reading. It just, I, it, it, I just can't do it. But I begin to find myself as a 19-year-old boy. My mama's here tonight. She could tell you this. I'd find myself consumed in this book. It just like it's drawing me to it for some reason or another. I wasn't, over, I wasn't called to preach yet. I, I still led singing some there at the home church. I, I, they might have even had me as a Sunday school superintendent there for a little while. I, 
But I, I'd find myself drawn. And I'd go to sleep. My head fall over in this book. Mama, I know she, she'd come in there sometime in the night probably where I'd left a light on. And she'd pick the book up out from under my head and lay it, lay it next to my pillow, you know. And I'd never even know it till the next morning. And I'd look and I thought, oh, I must have went to sleep. Mom's come in here. And, but God began to draw me to His Word more. And you may think, boy, preacher, can you just hurry? And I'll try. But I won't tell you what kind of friend He is. And you may think, well, that, that's back in the Bible days. And all this, this is in 1984. God began to deal with my heart. And He began to draw me by His Word. Do you realize you can come to church every Sunday and still not know much about how good a friend Jesus is? You could, you could be saved for 30 years and still not be a real friend to Jesus. Have you really been a friend to Him? There's one that says, I'll be a friend to Jesus. But there's one that also says, that asks a question, have you really been a friend to Him? I can tell you tonight, He's, he's the dearest friend. There's a song that even says that, the dearest friend I'll ever have. He's been a friend to me. And He guided me through those through those times of my high, right getting out of high school that I didn't know which way I was going to go. And His hand would just touch my life and guide me. And in 1984, 19, we had a revival there at home. And God just, boy, He was a dealing with me and such. And I ain't going to tell you God had called me to preach yet. But this, in, in our June revival, I, I, went, I made it through that. And I was miserable. Listen, if you ain't doing... What your friend, talking about Jesus, what he wants you to do in your life, you'll be miserable. Miserable. And you may think, boy, preacher, I just believe different than you do. And you, that's, that's all. I'm not going to fuss at nobody and I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to tell you what, how me and the Lord's, how our journey's been. But I'm telling you, God was pressing around my heart and I, I was afraid to get close to him. I was afraid. You know, there's some, there's some folks... Scared to death of commitment. They'll, they'll act like they're going to commit. They'll tell you they're going to commit, but when the time comes to lay it all out, they'll pull back. They'll pull, and that's what I was doing. I was pulling back on the Lord. He is wanting more of me, but I, I just couldn't. When I'd get down to pray, I wouldn't say, Lord, whatever, whatever your will is in my life. Say, I'd done not, I'd done not. Guys, by this time, it's two years had went by. But boy, God was, a, He's just pressing around my heart. And them little moves to test stand and testify for him would come. And I'd back up on him. I wouldn't. You may think, but preacher, you're, listen, when you go to backing up on your friend, what you're doing is you're offending him. And it won't be long. This is what will happen. It won't be long. If you offend the Lord and push him away long enough, what he'll do is he'll withdraw his friendship from you. His fellowship. That joy. Somebody said he won't do that. Well, he did to David. David said in one place, he said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Renew in me a right spirit. Let me get back to where I used to be with you. You know what would be good for us as God's people? Everywhere. Baptist. Ever what you believe. It don't matter what you believe. I'm talking about those people that's born again and saved by the grace of God. You know what would be good for us? It would be good for us to get back to being a real friend to Jesus. Not just showing up at His house every once in a while. Not just saying, well, this is what I... I somebody said, preacher, we're in a revival. I understand that. Do you know if we want a revival, what we'll have to have? We'll have to have our friend to show up or we won't have no revival. 
If our friend, if it's just us that shows up, it, we can be friends one with another, but we need the friend that's going to stick closer than a brother. The friend that showed his love for us, that laid down his life for us and give himself. He said there's no greater love than a man lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus done for me and you. And he proved his friendship to us. And he showed it to us. I got, then had to, had to quit singing with them boys and within just a few months our June revival was going on and God was pressing I need to tell this and somebody said well you just talk way too much for me I'm sorry I told you I wasn't very educated all I know to do this when God called me out there underneath that old cedar tree it's what it's fixing to tell you about God called me out there I think Mark, I don't know if Mark still owns it oh I'm Jesse Dale I believe you may have sold that to Jesse Dale where the Lord called me to preach at. But God was oppressing around my heart, and I was in the awful shape I was. He was wanting to be a friend to me, and I wasn't wanting to be a friend to him. And I just got plumb miserable. And there's an old deacon down there in my home church at the time. I, Brother Enoch Carter was his name. Yeah, you, but I had a lot of confidence in Brother Enoch. And I was tore all to pieces. I mean, I knew God wanted something out of my life and I didn't want to get too serious about asking Him what it was. I just didn't want to be much of a friend to Him. Ain't it funny how we want to pick when we want to be friends with the Lord? You may not be that way. When everything's going good, who needs the Lord? Ain't that, I'm, just, I'm not trying to be smart. Ain't that the truth though? When everything's going smooth, who needs the Lord? But all of a sudden when a mom or a dad has a heart attack or they're diagnosed with cancer, all of a sudden when there's a bad accident and somebody's life's in jeopardy and death is a lingering real close, all of a sudden, you know what we need? We need a friend. And we begin to call on him, Oh Lord, where are you at? And I didn't want to be a friend to him. Twenty year old, my life, I still played a lot of ball back then. And my, my life I thought was all ahead of me. But boy, he just kept a nudging at my heart. I want you to get closer to me. I want to be a closer friend to you. And I was miserable. That revival, Brother Carl Jones, Brother Carl Jones helped us in that revival. That had been Randy's uncle, I think. And anyhow, I, I, I mean, I felt so sorry for him. He struggled. And it was a lot of it was because of me, because I wasn't being obedient to the Lord. But I come in from work one day and I thought Brother Enoch could help me. I know a lot of you have heard this before. But I thought I've got to find Brother Enoch. Brother Enoch can help me. He's the old deacon down here. He'll tell me what I need to do. He smoked them old camel cigarettes. Worked on that old back hole down there. And I, I went through town and went by Hagen's. I said, have you seen Brother Enoch? Rich said he's over there. He's over there working on that old back hole in the shade. At that time it wasn't black top. It was right there in front of the funeral home, you know, in the shade of them old maple trees. He had that old backhoe broke down there. And he was taking him a break. <laughs> I can still see him sitting there. He'd sit there just like this, smoking on that old camel. And I went up to him and my heart was broke. I mean, I was miserable. Revival was going on and I wasn't getting a thing out of it. I just couldn't feel a thing from the Lord. And people was on the altar and they was needing help. And there I was. I was going every Sunday and every night. Every day. But I wasn't feeling nothing from the Lord because I hadn't been the friend to Him that I needed to be. And I said, Brother Enoch, I, I need help. I said, I was just 20 years old. 
I said the Lord. I, I didn't. I don't even know if I said the Lord or not. But I just said the, there's been some scripture that's just been a burning in my heart, and I don't know what to do. And I thought he'd say, "Well, son, if the Lord's called you to preach, the best thing you can do is take off the preaching." That wasn't what he said. He said, "Tim, sounds like to me you need to find a place to pray." And boy, that that just drove it that much deeper. What he was saying was, you need to talk to your friend. He's the one that will tell you what to do. But I wasn't, I wasn't wanting to hear that. And I left him. My dad was working my tobacco down there in the bottom at, at Mr. Arthur Burgess's place. My uncle owned it at the time. I was renting tobacco off of Uncle Randall there. And dad was working in my backer patch. And I knew I needed to help him. But boy, my heart was broke. And I knew I needed to talk to my friend. So I turned in Milburn Taylor Road before I got to Dad, and I went around the when I went around the first curve to the left, and in that in the next curve that went to the right, there's an old logging road that shoots down right there at that time, Argel Beach on that, and and Brent's Hammer on on the old cedar thicket side, and I parked at that old road bed, and I began to walk down there, and I made it about a hundred yards off, and I bowed beside an old cedar tree, and you know what I began to do? I began to talk to my friend. And I began to tell him about how, how sorry I was that I hadn't been treating him like I knew he wanted me to treat him. And I knew that he wasn't pleased with me. See, we're, we've got plumb away. I don't know about you people, but Baptist folks have almost left the part of repenting anymore. We still have to repent. If, you, if you're a child of God, you still have to repent when you get away from the will of God. That's where I was. I hadn't been a friend to him. And I began to tell him I was sorry, but I needed help. I needed to know the direction he wanted me to go in my life. And I probably don't need to get into all of that. Boy, y'all, somebody said, gracious, we didn't, we didn't call you down here for you to preach nowhere. And I have, but I want you to understand, he's the dearest friend you'll ever have. And if you don't know him, if you don't have that relationship with him, it's not a mind work. It's got to get in your mind. Your mind has, you have to hear the word with your ear, but the word's got to get to your heart. If it never gets to your heart, somebody said, is that Bible? The Bible said, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I, I bowed at that old cedar tree that afternoon. I won't tell you everything that happened, but I'll tell you this. God sent a bird down there. Maybe I ought to just tell you. I prayed, I prayed my heart out and there was no answer. And I looked up and I knew every bird, ever I mean they was not hardly me and Greg killed every kind of bird you can imagine, we killed it. And we had only, if it was a good bird, we'd only kill it one time. Because dad would always tell us, you don't need to kill that one no more. We'd, we'd kill a bird, we'd go back, that was before Google. You had encyclopedias in your house. So you went to the house. You remembered how that bird was shaped. You looked in the B section and you looked up birds and it had pictures of all of them. And so you learned what they was. And we learned the good birds from the bad birds. And then it got down and we didn't have but about three birds we could kill. But when that bird showed up after I got done praying, and she all she she she's just probably not over 12 or 15 foot up in the air, but she's just flying from limb to limb. And she all around me. And it was almost annoying. 
And somebody said, Preacher, I don't believe this. I can't help it. You people that's heard this before know it ain't changed in 30-some years. And I thought, Lord, this is what I, th- I said. I've poured my heart out to you. And I am sorry for how I've treated you. But I need an answer in my life what you want out of me. And I looked, and there's something caught my eye about 20 feet from me out in front of me that I hadn't seen in all this time. And I seen it move. And when I seen that move, about that time this bird comes, I cannot tell you to this day for sure what kind of bird that was. It was speckled. It was spotted. It was, it was a dull gray color with sort of a dark back. I think possibly... To be honest with you, I think possibly it might have been a whippoorwill. Any of you that have ever, you don't see whippoorwills in the daytime. They're a nighttime bird. That's beside the point. I, I looked, and here come this mama bird. And she swooped down on the ground and right back up. And then she, she went back down to the ground. And y'all know how mama birds do. Boy, she began to do that. That I'm, I'm hurt, you need to come after me. And I looked and I seen that move. And it was her baby. Then, then the voice, then the voice of that friend that I had known since I was a nine-year-old boy spoke to my soul. And you know what he said? You go and you preach my word. And I'll watch over you just like this mama bird's watching over her little... Boy, how real that was. That place, <laughs> Evelita, that's why that little old fence was around that. I don't know if you've ever been down there, Mark, but she, Evelita, after her dad died, she kept wanting, she wanted me to fence that. Somebody sawed into that thing a few years ago, and I don't know how it kept from dying. Maybe dead now, but she wanted me to fence it off where nobody saw it. It don't mean nothing to nobody else, but it's a special place to me because God's my friend. <laughs> he spoke to me down there that night. And he let me know what he wanted me to do. He let me know what he'd require of me. And you may think, preacher, I, I, I don't know about all that. I'm telling you, he, he deserves our friendship. And if you want him to be a friend to you, I'm not going to quote you some more scripture and I'm about done. I don't want to, I know I've worried some folks to death probably. But over in Proverbs it says this. He says, for a man to have friends, he must first... Shoe himself friendly. If you want the Lord to really be a friend to you, then you be the friend to the Lord that you want Him to be to you. If you want Him to be that real in your life, then you you need to commit yourself to Him and to His will in your life. There's a lot of things in God's Word. I mean, can can you imagine how... This is what the Bible said about Moses, and I'm done. The Bible said this about Moses, that God spake with Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. How do you, do you talk to the Lord like he's a friend? Or do you talk to him like he owes you favors? Lord, I need this in my life. I need that in my life. Lord, there's trouble here, there's trouble there. I, we, we need this. Can you answer this, Lord? Or do we go to Him as a friend? We say, Lord, I appreciate all... Do you know sometimes we take our friend... Do you know your companion ought to be a friend to you? 
boy, somebody said, old preacher, please don't go in that. And I, I'm just going to tell you, if God give you a helpmate, they ought to be a friend to you. They ought to be somebody you can confide in. Look up friend. Look up friend when you go home in their Webster's. It's somebody whose affections that you desire enough that you want to spend time with them. And you want them to spend time with you. Is that, is that what kind of relationship we truly desire? If, if we, I'll say this. If we as God's people desired that kind of relationship with Him, you know what we'd have? We'd have them old-time revivals that you remember Grandma and Grandpa talking about where sinners would come to the altar and saints would gather around them and pray till the power of God fail and people would be a-shouting because their friend showed up and done a work that only he can do. I know tonight the message probably ain't been what a lot of people come to hear. But it's all the Lord laid on my heart. Who is your friend? Who have you been a friend to? Have you really, truly been a friend to Him? I know tonight you may say, Boy, preacher, this ain't much of a revival message. And I, 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 just, I just know I know what the Lord laid on my heart. and That's all I know to give you. He wants us to be that friend to Him. He wants us to be that true. He wants us to be that, that, that committed to Him in our life that He's the first thing. He's the first thing in our life. I'm glad tonight that I have that kind of friend. Can I tell you, can I tell you I've, not, I've always done what the Lord... No, I cannot tell you that. Even since He called me to preach. And I, if, I, if I told you the rest of that story, I, as, even after such a real experience in that cedar thicket, you know what I've done? I went that night and I preached my first message. But you know what I couldn't do? I couldn't tell people God had called me to preach. That was in June. I didn't tell nobody. I didn't do nothing else with it till sometime in September. And the Lord had to bring me right back down. Hard-headed. As, as, as much as He heard and answered me that day, I don't know what your relationship is with Him. But I'm telling you, He wants to be a friend to you. Not just when you're young. Not just when you're out of high school. But He wants to be a friend all through your life. And if you're here and don't know Him, He died. He'd give His life for you. That you could be a friend to him, he could be a friend to you. That's the message. I don't know if y'all got a song or not, Joe, but if you do, y'all go ahead and sing. I, I, mine even cousins are here tonight, and there is a song I want them to sing maybe before we leave here. That They sing a song since always, and I, I wish they'd sing that. It's, this, that's how dear of a friend. He's always a friend. Always a friend. And I, if they will sometime here in a little bit, uh, if, I'm, if they feel like it, I wish they'd sing that song before we leave here. Glad tonight of the liberty. I appreciate the church. I have enough confidence in us to call us down here to preach a night for you. You pray for us. We need the Lord's help wherever we go. May God bless you.